Welcome to Live Your Dream Podcast, episode 37, How to Turn No into Yes. I'm your host, Selena Lee. It has been a little more than a year since I started my podcast. I uploaded my very first episode on my birthday last year on June 27. There were so many things I didn't know how to do, and I was especially scared of all the equipment and wasn't sure exactly how I was going to figure everything out. So you know how I recently shared my second interview with Michael Kim. Both times I interviewed him, we recorded our conversation at his office in New York City. And on our first interview, I remember feeling all stressed out and very nervous about making sure my recording equipment works okay. And when I met up with him recently to do our second interview, I was telling him that my worst nightmare would have been that I had a whole conversation with him or with my other guests and it didn't record or somehow I would lose a recording. Yeah, seriously, that was like the biggest nightmare. Well, thankfully that hasn't happened. And even though I've had plenty of tech troubles along the way, I've managed to figure out the hard parts that scared me the most and kept going, even though I was at times feeling very intimidated and overwhelmed. And on my second interview with him, it only took me five minutes to set up my mixer, microphone, and all the equipment. So yes, it's possible to learn and figure out what you don't know how to do yet. It now has been a year later since the launch, and you are now listening to my 37th episode. And I have listeners from almost 90 countries around the world. I really can't believe it. So if you have something you want to do, don't talk yourself out of it and just give yourself the permission to try. You may then achieve far greater things than you ever thought possible and impact many more people than you could imagine right now. If my podcast helped you in any way or brought you any joy, I would be so grateful if you can please write me a review. This is the best way you can help me to grow my podcast so more people can find out about it. I'm trying to get to 100 reviews and I'd be so grateful if you can help me reach my goal. I want to let you know that this is the last episode of the season two of my podcast, but don't worry, I will not be gone for long. I'm going to take a short break to work on new episodes and I'll be back soon with season three. In the meantime, I hope you'll listen to any episodes you haven't had a chance to listen yet. And I would love to hear from you about who I should invite as guests on my show and also what kind of themes and topics you want me to talk about. I want to make sure I create episodes that will be helpful for you. And telling me what you want is the best way for you to help me to create shows that you'll enjoy. You can reach out to me on my website, selinaleeda.co forward slash contact. That is C-E-L-I-N-A-L-E-E.co forward slash contact. Okay, today I want to talk to you about how to convince and persuade people and how to turn a no into a yes. In my previous episodes, I've talked about my experience of writing my book, which was my very first childhood dream. Writing my book was one of the most difficult and challenging experiences of my life, but also definitely one of the most rewarding and meaningful experiences. There were many, many challenges. 
As many of you know, I wrote my book in Korean, even though my only education in Korea was elementary school. My mom thought I was absolutely crazy, and I've talked about this in my previous episode. I also had to find a publisher in Korea, but had no idea how the publishing industry even worked there. And my mom thought, who's going to publish your book? <laughs> and in my previous episode, I also talked about how I reached out to and ended up meeting a very famous writer from Korea and told her about my book idea, even though I was very nervous and very scared. And she introduced me to her publisher. So my book ended up getting published by one of the best publishers in the country. I've learned that when you believe in your dream and take action to make it happen, even though you have fears and doubts, magical things happen, stars align, and you will make your dream a reality. I'll link the previous episodes in the show notes for today's episode if you want to hear about uh, more about these stories in detail. Another big challenge, probably the most difficult part of writing my book was that I had to convince very successful and therefore very busy people to meet with me and give me a chance to interview them. The first thing I did when I decided to write my book was I created a list of people I wanted to interview. Kind of like if you're applying for college, um, you think about if I can get in anywhere, I would go to these schools. So I thought about if I can interview anyone, these are the people I would love to interview. I had a few criteria for selecting people to be in my book. First, I wanted to have people from different backgrounds, very diverse experiences and professions. Second, I wanted them to have inspirational stories of overcoming failures, rejections, and obstacles to have achieved amazing success. And I also wanted them to be honest and be willing to talk about openly about their struggles. So after I created my dream list of people I wanted to interview, I started reaching out to them. Well, creating the list was the easy part, but getting the people to say yes to me or even just give me any response was definitely not easy. I got more rejections trying to write my book than I'd ever been until that point in my life. These people were very successful and very famous in their industries. And honestly, they didn't have really anything to gain from being in my book. Because many of them had a lot of people reaching out to them for interviews, including really big media and press. And here I was an aspiring writer, but I was not a writer yet, right? Because I hadn't written the book yet. And also, I was asking them to share with me very intimate details of their lives, including all of their failures and struggles and obstacles. And I was telling them I was going to write the book in Korean. And a lot of them didn't really speak or read Korean well, so they wouldn't even know what I was going to say or how I was, I was going to convey their story. So it was a big ask. I'm not sure if I would have said yes if someone who I don't know, who's never written a book or has done any kind of writing for that matter, and saying, hey, I'm going to um, write this book, but I'm going to write in French. I'm, you're going to have no idea what I'm going to write about you, but I'm going to share with the world like all of your failures and struggles and obstacles. Yeah. So can you give me a chance to interview you? I'm not sure I would say yes to that. So I definitely know that it was not an easy thing for me to convince them to say yes and give me a chance to interview them. 
So I want to share with you stories about how I convinced them to give me a chance to interview them for my book. And I'll talk about two people that I had the most difficult time getting an interview with and how I convinced them to say yes to me. The first person I want to talk about is former Washington State Senator Paul Shin. He has an incredible story. He was born in Korea and became an orphan around the age of four years old. And he was literally begging for food on the street. And when he was 16 years old, he started working for a group of U.S. Army officers because it was during the Korean War. And when he was 18, he got adopted by an American GI and moved to the United States. He has never gone to school in Korea because he lived on the street. So no school would take him in the U.S. So he got his GED and then went to college and became a professor. And then he entered into politics after facing so much racial discrimination. And he became a state senator for Washington State and served for 15 years. What an incredibly inspiring life, right? I've heard of his story before, and I just knew that I had to have him in my book. I had to interview him. And I knew that it was going to be very difficult. I um, emailed him and called his office for months and months and no response. And I had a hunch that he probably is not going to answer his own phone calls or answer his own emails. And I was expecting his assistance to at least give me any response, but I had heard absolutely no response. So I was thinking, okay, um, how could I make this happen? And I had remembered that one of my friends for one of his nonprofit organizations that he was involved with had um, invited him to speak at one of their events. So I reached out to him and asked him about how I could possibly get in touch with Senator Shin. And he said that he wasn't the person who was in touch with Senator Paul Shin. And he suggested that I reach out to one of our mutual friends, Han Min, uh, since he lives in Washington State and is in the same state with Senator Paul Shin, and maybe he knows a way to get in touch with him. So I did reach out to Han Min and told him that I was trying to write this book and if he knows any way that I could meet Paul Shin. And he said, oh, you know what? I'm actually helping to organize this conference in um, Utah for this organization called Korean American Scientists and Engineers Association. And Senator Shin is one of the speakers. I was like, oh my gosh. And he asked me if I would be interested in coming. I was like, yes, of course. And I um, checked to make sure that I was able to get some time off from work. I was so excited. And someone said that... Um, they needed someone to be an MC for the conference. And since I had, uh, I had had an experience um, hosting a talk show for Korean American Broadcasting Television, maybe um, I could be the MC. And he helped me to get in touch with the conference organizers and they um, had me come out as the MC for the program. So I would have a chance to meet with Senator Shin. Um, for people who were there actually have no idea that this is the behind story of how I was there. Um, but that's what happened. And some men also said that he would volunteer to go pick up um, Senator Paul Shen at the airport and I could come with him. And that way, um, you know, he'll be stuck in the car with me for 45 minutes and he would have to talk to me. <laughs> well, we didn't have to do that <laughs> because as soon as he met me, he said yes. But I remember 
um, being so excited. And before I went to Utah, um, I didn't know if Senator Shin was going to say yes to me to and give me a chance to interview him for my book. But just in case he would say yes to me and just in case he would have a time for interview while we're both out there, I'd prepared for the interviews as if he was going to say yes. So of course, he doesn't know who I am. He doesn't even know I exist. He doesn't know that I'm going to be asking for an interview. But I had prepared just in case I would get a chance to to um, have an interview with them. So I had read, it actually um, takes a lot of time to prepare for a good interview. Um, and I, what I usually do to prep for any interviews for the podcast, for, for the book is I would read like everything and anything that I could find on the inter internet, any other interviews they've done in the past, podcast interviews, any books they've written. Uh, because if I can just you know, ask questions that they already talked about. That's not fun. Like other people can go to other interviews and, 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 you know, read that or listen to that. But I really wanted to ask some questions that have not been asked before. And also as an interviewee, it is very obvious when the interviewer has done her homework. So in the, the very little time that I had, I had, you know, read anything and everything that I could about Senator prepared these very detailed interviews, printed them out. I brought my two recorders, um, one my recorder and then the other one as a backup. And then off I went. And when I flew out to Utah and I saw him like standing right in front of me, I just couldn't believe it. And even though I was very nervous, I walked up to him and I introduced myself and I asked him if I could interview him. And he said, sure. I was like, just like that, so easy. <laughs> I didn't tell him that, you know, I had been reaching out to him for months and months and never heard back, right? And then I asked him, like, when would be a good time for us to do the interview? And he said, we could do it right now. So <laughs> we um, talked for like four and a half hours and I wrote my book. So, <laughs> and you know, the funny thing is, right after I finished interviewing him, I checked my email and his assistant finally got back to me. And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> so anyway, if you just show up um, and just ask people in person, you'll have a lot higher chance of getting a yes than if you are just emailing them or calling them. Even if people say no or doesn't respond to you, you can figure out other ways to reach out to them. Another person that was very difficult to interview was Howard Koh, who I've talked about in my previous episode. Howard Koh is a former U.S. Assistant Secretary of Health during the Obama administration and is now a professor at Harvard School of Public Health and also at the Kennedy School. I'm sure some of you may have heard of his family. It's the really famous Koh family. His younger brother is... Harold Coe, who teaches at Yale Law School, and he also served during the Obama administration as the legal advisor. There are six siblings in the Coe family, and all six of them have studied at Harvard, Yale, and MIT, and all six of them have achieved incredible amount of success in all kinds of professions. So I wanted to know what was so special about their family upbringing. So I've read many of the books that his mother wrote about their parenting in Korean. And 
I really wanted to interview Howard for my book, but I knew it would be really difficult because he works for the government. And I emailed him thinking that I will probably not get a response. And as I expected, I did not get any response. And then I found out that he was going to be a keynote speaker at a charity gala that's happening in New York City. And I had been volunteering there for the past several uh, years, and I was going to be also volunteering at this particular event. So I knew we were going to be in the same space, so I should at least try to talk to him. So I reached out to the organizer of the gala to see if she can introduce me to him, but I did not get any response. So I was thinking about how could I make this happen, and on the day of the gala, I saw him coming in with his mother, and I recognized her because I read many of her books, which she wrote in Korean. But before I had any chance of approaching them, they were quickly brought to the VIP area, and I couldn't go near them. And then I saw his mother was at the silent auction area, and she was just walking around and browsing. So I went up to her and said hi and introduced myself. And I told her that I really enjoyed reading her books. And she was like, oh, which book did you read? And we were talking for a while. And she asked me some questions about me and my background. And then I told her that I'm actually working on writing a book myself and that I would love to interview her son, Howard. And then she said, oh, he's very busy. But if you want to talk to him, you should talk to him now. So she brought me to where he was and then she introduced me to him. And there were all these people around him waiting to talk to him. You know how it is at one of these events. And in front of everybody, I had to give him this unprepared like 30-second pitch about who I am and why I wanted to interview him for my book and why he should give me a chance. And, and while everybody was staring at me, And of course, it was very scary. And he really listened. And then he said, um, you should uh, get in touch with uh, my assistant, who was re uh, standing right next to him. And I guess he doesn't really have business cards or he doesn't really give them out. And his assistant also didn't give me a business card. And she said, give me your business card and I will contact you. And I was like, okay. And um, the gala was about to start. So Howard had to go. But As he was leaving, he uh, patted me on my shoulder and said, I think you're going to do well. And I was like, wow, does that mean he's going to uh, say yes or, and give me a chance? But I had no idea. And um, because I didn't have any way of contacting him or the assistant because they didn't give me their contact information, I was just kind of waiting to see um, the assistant would write me. And the next day, she did write me back and she said, Hey, um, let me know um, more information about your book. And since then, for many, many weeks, there were, I don't even know, I can't even count how many emails were exchanged back and forth. And they weren't always very responsive. And so many times I had to send many, many emails and just say, hi, just following up about this. And then they would eventually respond. And There were so many uh, people copied on the email, I think all the people from the communications team, and they would ask questions like, what's the title of your book? Who's the publisher? Who have you interviewed so far? And I was like, I don't have a title yet because it's not written yet. And I told them the name of my publisher, and I think they went and like researched it. Um, I also had, uh, by that time, 
lined up pretty uh, impressive people to be in my book and had already in interviewed them. So I guess they were okay with the list of the people. Um, and then they said, oh, we have to now um, get security clearance. And I was like, okay. And then they said, okay, we, we did that. Then they also said, um, send me all the questions you're going to ask Howard. And I've done a lot of interviews uh, by then, but I've never been asked to send all the questions in advance. So I sent them all the questions and then they said, okay, so tomorrow we're going to ask him if he wants to do the interview. And I was like, what? You haven't even asked him yet and you made me go through all of this? So the next day, um, pretty early in the morning, they said, okay, Howard said he agrees to do the interview. He would love to do it. So when the interview got confirmed, I was, I think I was more happy than when my book got published. So um, by the time, so Howard was the, the last interview. And when all the interviews were confirmed and all the interviews were done, I felt like more than half of my book was written, even though I've only written a few chapters by then, because um, it's up to me to, to write, but I can't make these people agree to be interviewed by me unless they, they want to write. So I felt like the hardest part of my book was done. So <laughs> I can't even begin to tell you how happy I was when I booked my um train ticket to go to DC. And they also said, oh, you have to fill out this um, meeting request form. I mean, it was not an easy process to um, interview Howard, but it was such a memorable experience on how it is possible to get people to say yes to you and turn no into a yes. And the actual interview was really, really great. And he was so kind, so generous, so nice. And during the interview, there was someone, I think from the communications team, I think she was like head of communications um, present. She was like, she said during the interview and like, you know, I guess kind of observed what we're talking about. And I've actually never had that before. So that was an experience. And um, he told me all these amazing stories about his life. Howard said, you know, my mother really liked you. And he said, you should go uh, meet her. So I was so happy to hear that. And I went to go meet his mother and also interviewed her as part of um, Howard's profile for my book. And it really um, was amazing to learn about her parenting style and what was so special about their family and how she was able to raise her children to become so successful in all kinds of different industries. And when I was writing my book, I did my best to um, interview people around them because oftentimes um, when I interview people around them, whether that's family or colleague or friends, um, I would get more of a holistic, uh, like a bigger picture of that person and his or her life. So I was able to do that. And his mother is so wonderful, so kind and very warm. And um, she also uh, ended up inviting me to speak at one of her really big events she organized. So I feel very honored. So I feel like I really <laughs> made, uh, developed this really amazing relationships um, with them uh, because I just showed up, <laughs> right? And all the people that I um, interviewed for my book, they became my greatest supporters of my vision. And especially when I um, launched my community Give on Dream, they were all very supportive and very kind. And I was really, really grateful and thankful to them. And, you know, after I became, you know, really close to them, I asked them, um, so 
I know you're very busy, and why did you、uh, say yes to me? Why did you give me a chance to interview you? And a lot of them said, I knew that you never go away. <laughs> so I guess、uh, persistence、uh, goes a long way. And one thing that I learned、um, from these experiences is that if you just show up and talk to people, your chance of getting a yes is significantly higher. I mean, when I was emailing and calling、uh, these people, like, I would just not get any response. But then when I just showed up and talked to them, like, I was so shocked at how easily they said yes to me. I mean, in Howard's case, not so easy. But、um, if you have someone that you want to meet,、um, Just show up at events. Maybe, maybe they'll be there. And, and I know it's very scary, but just go talk to them. You'll be very surprised how many yeses you get. And also, what I've learned is that when people say no to you or they don't respond, it doesn't usually mean no, never, but no, not right now. And we take these no's so personally that we don't try again the next time. And we'll never get it because we're not trying again, right? So don't let any no or one or two or three no's、um, stop you from pursuing what you want to do. I mean, frankly, if I had given up after the first, the second, or the third rejection, my book would have never been published because almost everybody rejected me the first, the second, and third time.、Uh, but You know, as they said, I was not going to go away. And I kept trying and I kept thinking about all these creative ideas to convince them. And eventually they all met with me not once, but many times and became my greatest supporters. So for that, I will always be grateful. And what I've learned from this experience is that when you really want to make something happen, you try one way. And if that doesn't work, You don't give up. You know, you just think about another way. Okay, if that doesn't work, then you think of another way, another way until you figure out a way that works. And a lot of people ask me, like, did you ever want to quit? But honestly, like, I never thought about quitting. It wasn't,、uh, the question wasn't, like, can I make this happen? But it was like, how can I make this happen? Right. And frankly, I could have told myself I tried enough and it's not going to work because I got rejected so many times. Um, and yes, there were so many reasons why I could have stopped and given up and failed, but there was one reason why I was going to make it happen, and that's all I needed because it was my dream I wrote down when I was a child. It was a dream that I'd always had in my heart,、um, and it was a dream that made me feel alive and so excited just by thinking about the possibility. Of it becoming a reality. I mean, how amazing would it be if there could be a book with my own name on it, right? That was like my very first childhood dream. And that is the thing about dreams like they inspire you to go after the seemingly impossible and empower you to make them happen. And I realized that when you're doing something that you believe is meaningful, like it will give you an incredible amount of strength. And power to overcome any obstacles and rejections. And that is what I、uh, again and again saw as a difference between people who have achieved incredible amount of success and people who really didn't. And whether they are doing something that they believe is meaningful、um, made all the difference. Because frankly, like in whatever we do, there will come a point when you want to give up. Like, you know, it's not. 
fun to get rejected and like there will be obstacles and challenges coming your way but if you really truly in your heart believe that what you're doing is meaningful um, you're going to figure out a way to make it happen and I really believe that it was a meaningful um, thing for me to write this book because I was going to interview these um, amazingly successful Korean Americans and I would be the bridge to bring those stories to the audience in Korea who otherwise wouldn't really have a chance to listen to their stories and learn from them because they are Korean Americans and a lot of them didn't really speak Korean. So I would use my bilingual ability to really bring these uh, inspirational stories to the audiences um, in Korea and you know other Korean speaking leaders in other countries. Okay, so I hope what I've shared with you today is helpful to you. And please remember that it is possible to turn a no into a yes. And please remember to not get discouraged by any rejection, one or two or three or ten rejections. Because what I've learned um, is that any rejections or failures you're experiencing is the evidence. It is the proof that you are trying and you're challenging yourself and you are getting one step closer to achieving your goals and dreams. Because if I wasn't trying to achieve my dream of writing my book, there would be no reason for me to be reaching out to these people and no reason for me to be rejected, right? So the fact that I was getting rejected was the proof, was the evidence that I was trying, challenging myself and getting one step closer to achieving my dreams. Because the more you ask, the higher chance of getting a yes, and But we um, take these no's so personally and it stops us from trying again and taking the next action and that is the real failure because if you don't try, you're never going to get anything. And I have my coaching clients do these um, rejection challenges or another way is called resilience challenge where I encourage them to um, go out and get as many rejections as possible. And in the beginning, they're a little bit hesitant and it really scares them. But the more they try, they learn that it actually is gets easier. And they're also very shocked at how many yeses they get. And I, I asked them like, um, are you surprised that, you know, you got a yes? And they're like, yeah, I would have never asked. And I cannot, cannot believe that they said yes to me. So it's like building up a, a muscle. Like, um, you know, you can't run a marathon tomorrow, but if you start training tomorrow and, you know, run maybe like five, five minutes and 10 minutes, then maybe eventually you can run a marathon, right? So if you... Um, train yourself to um, not take rejection so personally one day you're going to be able to achieve really big scary dreams and maybe make a career transition or whatever it is that you want to do so it is very very important to um, learn how to reframe your rejections and know that real failure is just not trying so you should actually be concerned if you haven't gotten rejected in a very very long time so I celebrate rejections with my clients. Um, every week I have them go out and try to get as many rejections as possible. And then they come back to me and say, I've tried for this and that, but never heard anything or got a no. I'm like, yay, way to go. Awesome. Keep it up. I'm so proud of them, right? So you can do this with yourself. Um, if you are able to reframe rejection as the evidence that you're trying and challenging yourself, one day you're going to be able to achieve amazing big things. Just trust me. So if you have any stories on how you've convinced people and turned a no into a yes, I would love to hear from you. 
please send me a message on my website, selinalee.co forward slash contact. That is C-E-L-I-N-A-L-E-E dot C-O forward slash contact. As I let you know at the beginning of the show, this is the last episode of the season two of my podcast. I'll be taking a short break to work on new episodes for season three. And in the meantime, I hope you listen to any episodes you haven't had a chance to listen yet. And if my podcast helped you or brought you any joy, I would be so grateful if you can please tell your friends about it and also write me a review. This is the best way you can help me to grow my podcast so more people can find out about it. I click on the review links several times a day to see if there's a new review. So if you want to make my day, please write me a review on iTunes. I'd be so grateful. And if you're interested in learning about my coaching, please feel free to reach out to me with any questions. And as you know, I'm launching my very first group coaching program, Career Happiness Academy. I've designed it with everything I've learned about success and happiness from people who have really achieved amazing things and also what I've learned from my own career transitions and from coaching many professionals. This will be a 12-week small and exclusive group coaching program and I'll be inviting three to five highly motivated people to join the group and go through an inspirational journey of transforming career and life through my love coaching framework that I've developed. The benefit of joining the group program is that you'll be part of an inspiring community of people who are working towards achieving big goals and big dreams in their own lives. I've noticed from coaching many people that so often a lot of people have similar struggles and challenges, but because we don't talk about them openly, so many people feel like they're alone. When I was in training to become a certified coach, I was in group programs myself, and I loved it because it was so wonderful to be part of a community and get the support from other people. And I also learned so much from other people's experiences, their perspectives, and how they were growing and developing in their careers and lives. So this experience led me to develop my own group program, By joining, you'll be able to develop friendships and build relationships with successful people from different industries who you probably would not have a chance to meet otherwise. And the group dynamic will offer mutual support, accountability, and a space to share ideas and challenges. So if you're looking for something more than one-on-one coaching and you want to be part of an inspiring community and transform your career and life, so you can finally take action and achieve what you have always wanted, whether that is a career transition, starting a side project, writing a book, or whatever your goal or dream may be, please check out the link for Career Happiness Academy I have in the show notes. Or you can go to my website, selinalee.co forward slash CHA, which stands for Career Happiness Academy. Again, that is C-E-L-I-N-A-L-E-E dot C-O forward slash C-H-A. If you have questions about my one-on-one coaching or have any thoughts or questions about my podcast, you can also visit me at my website at selinalee.co and please send me a message on the contact page. And please subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And while you're at it, I would really appreciate it if you can please write me a review. So thank you so much. And I'll be back soon with new episodes in season three.